You're listening to the Sports Bros Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything BYU sports. Now here are your hosts, Andy Karchner, a.k.a. Big Bro, and Aaron Karchner, a.k.a. Little Bro. That's right, it's time for your Sports Bros Podcast. It is uh, Sunday, December 5th, 2021. A strange day in BYU football. It's the end of the regular season. College football playoff rankings out. We're going to talk about everything from football to basketball to volleyball to soccer to the Big 12. Lots, lots to talk about. My name is Andy Karchner, a.k.a. Big Bro, joining you from the Pacific Northwest. Joined with, of course, as always, Aaron Karchner, a.k.a. Little Bro from Texas. Have we ever had like a substitute host on here? I think we've had like guest hosts like in tandem, but never yeah. like replacing you or I. We're just like, no, we're not doing it. If one of us isn't here, we're not doing it. That's a good question. We've had a lot of guests. I mean, we've had everyone from Dick Harmon to uh, to Ryan Hancock. Margin hooks. Margin hooks. We've had a lot. Of, Jeff Chapman. We've had a lot of guests, but no guest hosts. So are like, you suggesting I, that I need to be replaced next week, Aaron? Is that what you're you saying? know? You can read into that however you want, <laughs> but no, no, I'm not denying that that is a suggestion. Gotcha. Especially when you're feeling especially negative, I think we might need to start finding <laughs> yeah. a pot. And we're definitely not bringing Dad on if that's the case, because if <laughs> no, you're negative, more we neg- can old Dad's jumping off a cliff. Dad's so. more negative. <laughs> Everyone, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Sports Bros. Our home is anchor.fm slash sports bros. You can, of course, download this on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, virtually anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, Aaron, we're going to talk about football. Uh, I'm not jumping off a cliff, but I mean, it's it was a tough day. I did not really get any spiritual uh, feasting out of church today. But before we get to football, um, we, we got to talk about some of the good stuff, right? First of all, I mean, can we just say women's volleyball and women's basketball both beat Utah on the same day? I mean, BYU's dominance over Utah this calendar year continues. I'm not sure BYU has lost to Utah in anything. I'm sure there was some like gymnastics meet or something where Utah got like 0.75382 more points than BYU, which is like a blowout in in gymnastics, I think. (laughs) But I mean, I don't know. I, I I can't think of a time in 2021 that BYU has lost to Utah. Men's basketball, check. Football, check. Volleyball, twice, check. Women's volleyball. Uh, soccer, they tied this year, I believe. Mm. I believe they tied this year. Uh, and what did I miss? Women's basketball, check. So... Yeah. It's, uh, women's sports in general... Right now, let's let's just oh. talk because we we spend so much time yeah. on on yeah, the yeah, money yeah. makers of football and basketball. Yeah, women's volleyball is in the Killing Sweet Sixteen. It. Okay, volleyball women's in basketball 16. is top twenty and eight and zero and right undefeated now. with undefeated. like four P five wins, right? Including two ranked ones, including on, two ranked in wins. a neutral court on a neutral. Okay? Court. And then women's soccer is in the national championship. Game. Nah, Has nah, there nah, ever nah. been a moment in BYU women's athletics that they have been at such a peak, like? Yeah, across I mean, the board, I don't know. I mean, the I, volleyball. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. individual sports, right, but exactly. to have three top twenty-five teams and at national the same time and a national champion like that—that's cross-country national champion, so, okay. female cross-country national champion, Sweet Sixteen oh, yeah, volleyball, about that. national championship game in soccer, and undefeated women's basketball team. The golf team was good this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like women's sports at BYU is the place to be. I mean, yeah. like, honestly, the place to be track and field kills it every year. Yeah, every year. I, I so you and I dog on soccer all the time because, yeah, you know, soccer. Yeah, we live in America. But <laughs> I was like, OK, when BYU's in in the college cup, oh, yeah. I want to watch the game. I had been doing a bunch of stuff. So I tuned in just for me the too. I, I just the shootout was the way. only and it was it wasn't like I chose that. It just happened to be when I was sitting down yeah. from doing what I, I think. Oh, I had a big install is what it yeah. was so I, for work. So I sat down and. Straight up, my heart was beating through my chest. PKs like, are so I could crazy. Feel it in my throat. Can and you then imagine basketball getting missed the first two and they were down two? Oh, that was crazy. And then I was just like, oh man. Then it came. Then three straight, couple misses. I wouldn't say so much that BYU's goalie actually. Hey, like, yeah, no, def- you, gotta, you need a little bit of luck. You need but a little bit. The point is, like, then that last shot, she chose the wrong way, and then it hit the post. Yeah. And then there was like a delayed reaction. No one, yeah. Like, 
Oh, oh yeah, my gosh, we won. That just happened. <laughs> my like, it took me like twenty minutes for my heart to stop pounding through my throat. PK, it was yeah, awesome. I mean, can you imagine like a basketball game being like decided by like free throws? You know, like but like going back and forth free throws like that. it's kind of like what, you know, talking about so basketball weird. it's like elam ending style right yeah, like yeah, we're like i kind of ex- like that i think they should adjust like the points but it's like that idea of like hey you're hitting you're going for a target that's kind of yeah. how penalty kicks feels it's like you know when the game is gonna end yeah in penalty kicks yeah it's not exactly like elam ending it's more like being like okay we've gone to way too many ot's now we're just gonna do like one-on-one like you get your best offender and you get yes. your best like, like yes like offense like all right now it's like you know rudy gobert versus i don't know like lebron lebron james or something for go first to five wins or whatever you know what i mean first, yeah Pen- like, they, it might be the most intense thing in sports penalty kicks it, it uh, really my heart was be. racing no my heart was racing it was it was insane because yeah to see BYU missed their first and 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 uh Santa Clara to to make their first two your heart just kind of sinks and you're like oh my gosh but then you know everything kind of unfolded and then it comes down to the last kick and it's just off right and it, but I mean that's really all penalty kicks you ask any goalie and look, I don't know anything about soccer so you guys you don't have you can you don't have to listen to me right now but from what, what I understand like goalies just guess they're not actually looking to see where you're kicking they're like and I'm just going to jump left. I'm going to jump right. I'm because they're shooting it from like 10 yards yeah. away. Your reaction time yeah. is like has to be faster than a baseball pitcher and batter, yeah. batter you know, like exactly. Exactly. So you, you're, I mean, you can never blame uh, the goalie, but um, you know, the, the, the women came up big and you're right. They all kind of like delayed reaction. They weren't quite sure if they'd want it. I'm not that sure, sure, but they wanted to make sure there wasn't something wrong or something, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, insane. BYU's, Never been to the college cup, which is the final four in soccer, and they've of course never been to the national championship. They 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 got their bugaboo off their back. Santa Clara has been just that that hump that's been really hard for them to get over, right? Santa Clara won the national championship last year. They gave BYU fits this year in in both of their regular season games. They were co-champs of the WCC. Um, oh man, just so cool. And then and then the volleyball team comes up and actually goes down and loses the first set to Utah at home, which I think was a stunner. And then BYU roars back and wins it three three sets to one. In not dominating fashion, it was all drama in that volleyball game. And, man, I, I'm going to do a little volleyball rant here because, man, of all sports that don't catch on in the United States, volleyball is the most perplexing to me. Like, soccer, we make fun of it. But, you know, it's just not the United States' bag. But volleyball is so fun to watch. And if you want to you want to uh, promote and magnify women's sports for viewers, there is nothing better than women's volleyball. You lose almost nothing between the men's and women's volleyball game. They're so well, good and BYU. so intense. Now, Grant, did you watch a men's game? And they're, like, jumping insanely high. You know what I mean? Seriously, those it, guys. You you hit that thing so hard. It's amazing to me that anybody can ever dig right any any attack. Point is, you want to you want to promote women's volleyball or women's sports. Stop it with the WNBA. Stop it with everything else. Go to women's volleyball. That is where it is at. I love yeah. volleyball. I love women's volleyball. I love BYU women's volleyball. And they're going to the Sweet Sixteen, and they look unstoppable right now unstoppable they haven't lost in like three months or something like that yeah what were they 28 and one going yeah. into the tournament and now they've oh, won two in a row and they right. and including 20 match streak exactly a 22 match streak like they're only lost bonkers. to pit number two pit is their only loss and it was like the third match of the game of the season or something yeah like that. yeah unstoppable right and they were the 11 seed it's i understand everyone on twitter i understand it's different it's not an 11 seed like in march madness it is the overall 11th seed but it was weird because they were the number four team by the by the poll, by the coaches poll, but RPI, BPI, whatever metric they have. Okay. Anyways, point is BYU is rocking it. They got their first two games in in the Smithfield house. They dominated Boise State in game one. They played really well against Utah in game two. Bugaboo, right? Because last year Utah came into the field house and wrecked BYU's season. Um swept BYU I believe in the field house and that was the last time BYU lost I remember that that was that was really gut-wrenching weird yeah weird Anyways. and now one of those players is on BYU's team yep she transferred the all-american transferred 
uh, Coolahan and uh, no, Coolahan is in soccer. Uh, I forget her name. See, I'm just not that good of a commentator here, but it was awesome. I, I mean, I just love sitting almost every night for the last two or three weeks, almost every night. I'm like, there is an important BYU event going on right now. Like almost every night for the past. Isn't that like, crazy? How like what a great time of year yeah. that BYU's relevant in every sport in on campus. Yeah. And then you have BYU TV that covers the smaller ones, right? And then you've got obviously football. And then you got basketball that's on BYU right. TV or ESPN and ESPN like, Plus and ESPN U. Yeah, but, yeah. About yeah. last three weeks, you're right. There has been an important game almost every night. Every or or a game. You know, basketball. You're yeah. early in the season, but like still, I mean, when you're ranked, it yeah. starts becoming more important, right? So, yeah. Yeah, pretty nuts. Speaking of basketball games being important, right? I mean, like the head scratcher against Utah Valley. I mean, honestly, I was nervous coming into this game. Everyone was, I don't know, just kind of chalking it up. Utah Valley, I think, is, you know, Ken Palm 188 or something ridiculously low like that. Um, But, you know, they go up the road to Orem, this game that everyone says they should never play again, right? On the road to UVU. I get it. I agree with that, by the way. Yeah, no, I get it. But I mean, look, Gideon George was out sick. Obviously, Gavin Baxter goes down. We're going to talk about that in a second. But here's the thing Coach Pope said at the beginning of the game that the whole, a lot of the team weren't feeling well. They weren't, they were sick. And I am telling you now, I do not have an inside source. Alex Barcelo was sick. He was sick. The last eight minutes of the game, he basically didn't. I don't I'm not even sure he took a shot at all. And if he did, it was only under duress. He did not want the ball, and I've never seen him like that. He was giving the ball up every time down the court. I'm not trying to make excuses, but, I mean, this was not a, a full BYU basketball team, and UVU gave it their best punch. And that's that's really what I come away from that game. I'm not losing sleep over it, but the question is, how much does that really hinder BYU's ceiling this year? going forward i don't know if the loss so much hinders that as much as the loss of baxter does i mean obviously yeah, a, yeah, a loss but i mean basketball it happens every year yeah. duke loses to you know so and so gonzaga loses you know or no they never really lose anybody bad but you know like th- it happens hey so, the gonzaga struggled games. with like Torkin state or something like that yeah. some team I, I mean, never you, even heard there's yeah. 30 something games you're gonna lose some and you know it's a bad loss when you put it into the quadrants and all that oh, stuff for sure, yeah. but for me i i don't think it truly affects their ceiling especially because it's early in the year right a lot of times those early games it's like oh, okay they're figuring stuff out and then once it moves on it's the loss of baxter because now you have baxter and harward that are gone and now your depth at your big man depth is depleted and yeah. these were two you know and luckily, you know, Foose looks like he's he's going to be really good. But guess what? He's only six 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 seven, right? And yeah. he's not the – I mean, while he's a fantastic athlete, Baxter's on another level. And Baxter just cannot catch a break. He's the Taysom Hill of the basketball oh, world. Oh, I feel so bad. I feel horrible for the dude. So and he bad. was playing well. He was on minutes restrictions, yeah. right? Um, so, to me, I think the loss of Baxter, because it's for the year, it's not like, okay, for a couple of weeks, is what's going to – change BYU ceiling yeah um, because now you're like okay with depth issues who knows when Harvard comes back if he comes back um, you might lose another head scratcher you might not you know I mean I still think this is still a very good basketball team but now yeah. you've got some roles that are changing right you know Seneca Knight stepping into the starting role he's going to need to start scoring a little bit more your size went down and BYU was a very good rebounding team so now who's going to get those rebounds and mm-hmm. Loner's still figuring out how to not get into foul trouble he's a great rebounder and he's aggressive but guess what he's now their biggest guy in the starting lineup so when if he gets in foul trouble you're not bringing in a lot of size yeah. so that to me is now where the concern comes down to is rebounding what was BYU strength big time through the first eight games. And now it becomes, I don't know if you want to call it a weakness, but I mean, Hey, you just lost a really big guy, a big rebounder, a great athlete, yeah. you know, sure. He wasn't putting up 15 and 10, but he's a lob threat. He's a great defender. He's long and lanky. Yeah. So and who's he was gonna doing better. Fill that role? I don't know mm-hmm. who's going to fill that particular role. And that's concerning more than anything. Yeah. Uh, that's true. I mean, BYUSN was, you know, they put out their question earlier this week is what's the bigger loss, Utah Valley loss, the game of the, or the loss of Baxter. I think we all kind of agree Baxter is the bigger long-term loss. That being said, you know, right now UVU is uh, Ken Palm 165, I think. That's a bad loss, and that matters at the end of the season. 
Um, especially when you're not playing in, you know, a really major conference with a ton of strength of schedule. So I think it does. I think it takes away what people were kind of hoping for. I never really thought it was a realistic expectation, but I think it takes away the possibility of kind of that three, four seed, right? When BYU is sitting around rank number 12, you start doing the math and you go, that's a three or four seed. You know what I mean? And you go, oh my gosh, if BYU can make it through the season, have no bad losses, you know, maybe a steal a win against Gonzaga or, you know, sweep St. Mary's or, or, you know, beat Creighton, you know, there's a lot of opportunities on this schedule that if, if, if BYU kind of goes through and has good season, three, four felt like a, a realistic possibility, but you don't, three, four seeds don't lose to Ken Palm 165. You know, I, I just don't see that. But that being said, I still think BYU's in the running for like a six to nine seed. I really do. Oh, I, a- I, I think, I think six to nine is, is being a little, pessimistic pessimistic on really it. i think i i mean you look at the schedule and I, like you said i think the thing is there's still opportunities yeah there are it's, a lot it's, it's about what else happens right so you have one loss right now so right now you're eight and one seven and one yeah um with a bad loss um but then you there's still opportunities for good wins i in my opinion i think good wins probably way more than bad losses especially a generally. loss in overtime and if it's right? old like at the beginning of the season yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so i mean you've got two against gonzaga and then it, it and here's the reason why the wcc is much better this year than it has much been better. in years past mm-hmm. i mean san francisco's 9 and 0 for crying out loud you're looking at yep. the wcc standings gonzaga's fourth because yeah, I know. Isn't that you got insane? San Francisco, BYU, St. Mary's, and then Gonzaga. Now, obviously, that's going to change which <laughs> conference rolls around. But and so that helps bring San Francisco BYU's is entire... Ken, Palm, Ken Palm 34 right now. Right. That's, so that's it brings insanity. BYU's entire strength of schedule up. So I still think BYU's ceiling is pr- like, and we're talking like, yeah, if they, if they just ceiling, play I think it's like yeah. a four or five seed. I think they're probably in the four to seven range based on their opportunities, right? You still have yeah. Utah State, which is always a, a good win. Creighton is a good opportunity, a good win. Um, and then you've got, again, San Francisco is going to be is going to be in, I don't know if it's quad two before, but it's a, probably going to be a quad one this year. So yeah. the, I think San the WCC be alone being up, even if it's just one or two teams, yeah, because they- now that's one or two more opportunities, kind of washes out the other opportunity. And then BYU scheduled really aggressively, in general with you know oregon creighton missouri state and utah and stuff like that so overall i don't think six to nine i think six to nine is if byu takes a couple other bad losses i think if they stick with you know maybe two preseason losses and then one to three losses in league and you're sitting at whatever that adds up to 26 and five or something yeah i don't see why that's not a five seed five six seed territory because i still think unless byu drops you know three of the next seven or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think BYU stays ranked and we'll get to that here in a second. And I think as long as BYU maintains a top 25 ranking, wherever that is, you know, 25 to 12 or whatever. Yeah. If you can stay in the top 25, theoretically, that gives you a five seed range, right? I think once you fall out of that, that's when you start saying, okay, where does BYU fit? But I think as long as BYU maintains a ranking that gives you at least some notion of where they fall in college basketball. Yeah, I think I think that's generally right. I think BYU has more opportunities, right? When you talk about San Diego State, heck, Missouri State on the road has the potential to be a quad one win right now. Missouri quad one win, I think, is on the ro- true road games against top 75. Right now they're hanging right. out around 78 Ken Palm. San Diego State, a, a win they've already they they already have under the belt right now is 43. That's gonna be a that was at home, right? The San Diego State game Correct. was at home. So I think I think home games are up to uh, like one through 50. Oh, no, one through 50 neutral home, home games, games, top 30. So San Diego State has the potential to pump up to a quad one game. Uh, Creighton is a true road game, and Creighton, I think, is a top 50 team. They're going to be a quad, they have opportunity for a quad one win. Both Gonzaga is going to be a quad one game. Uh, at least at San Francisco and at St. Mary's are almost definitely going to be quad one games. The, the home games against those teams could end up being quad one games if those teams, you know, play really well. So the opportunities are through the roof. I mean, BYU's last year, you know, schedule wasn't, you know, eye popping. They had, you know, San Diego State, they beat a, a ranked San Diego State team and uh, either beat Utah um St. St. John's so you know it wasn't an eye-popping schedule but 
there was opportunities and, you know, they even lost a few down the stretch, Pepperdine. Um, I, again, I still they came think out, what, they were what, a six seed last year. I think the fact year, right? that BYU came onto the scene so early in the year, if they can maintain staying on the scene, yeah. I don't see how that puts them in the six to nine range. I see that as being in the four to seven range again. I think I feel, yeah, that's how I, it's got to be. You just can't continue to drop these games you shouldn't lose. I think BYU gets one of those every year. You know, it's a Pepperdine in league yeah. or whatever. So yeah. they got one out of league. But again, I think the like blowout of Oregon, who obviously is not that great, but still yeah. kind of washes that out in my opinion. I, th- I think you, you could be right. I might be being a little pessimistic six to nine. I guess what I'm saying is, projected if BYU plays like perfectly up to their potential for the rest of the season heck yeah they could they could be a four or five seed you know what I mean beat Gonzaga once sweep guns that sweet San Francisco sweep San Francisco and St. Mary's I just don't see that happening right without like you said without Baxter and Harward it's just tough you saw against UVU and and to a certain extent against uh, Missouri State just how much BYU struggles to create shots without a couple of guys down low who can score the ball uh, because Loner cannot score the ball. And um, the rest of their guys, Foose and, and others, they're more of your kind of clean up the offensive boards and put back type guys. No, none of their big guys can create anymore. Really, Baxter kind of was a creator, but not really. Harvard, Harvard was their only real creator. And, you know, when Gideon George was out and and AB was just not feeling up to it, they were vulnerable, you know, and they just had trouble creating. And that's been a problem for BYU for a while. But that being said, everyone healthy, as soon as Gideon George and, and Alex Barcelo are back to feeling 100%, um, I, yeah, I could see, I could see, um, uh, Five to five to seven, five, six, seven. I, I think I that the, the new person that we're going to need to be watching is Atiki. Atiki Ali Atiki is yeah. the new next man up in the big men, right? He's yeah, six, we'll nine. See. He's a freshman, but it's, it's time for him to, he's going to start getting minutes with the bigs when, because again, loner's still working on the foul trouble thing. And he's going to go out everything but rebounding right now. And let me tell you, Caleb loner is an elite rebounder. I mean, this dude yes. is grabbing balls over like six foot eight people's heads and stuff. The dude just has a knack for rebounding. I mean, he really does look like a Dennis Rodman out there. Like I, I'm not exaggerating when I say what an elite rebounder is. And he plays above average defense kind of man on defense, but that's it. I mean, like his, his offensive, offensive game, game is it, it, he's going to need to start taking he, he's going to need to start developing that quickly if BYU yeah. is going to make – now, again, he's still a sophomore. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking not about saying this he needs year. to start averaging 15, but he's going to need to start being that that 10 to 13 points a night yeah. with his eight rebounds kind of guy with Baxter out. Not that Baxter – again, Baxter wasn't putting up, like, ton of numbers. You know, he was right. averaging uh, – what was Baxter averaging here? He was averaging seven points. Yeah. But, you know, you need to give him three or four of those points – to loner loners got and i've been really high on loner just because i see the potential i see the skill i see the form on the shot he's over yeah. 14 from three <laughs> something's gonna drop at some point you and i were having some texting conversation about this a couple days ago um i i think byu's ceiling has a lot to do with loner because we know what we're gonna get from ab Tijon lucas has shown he's a, a yeah. really great addition to this team spencer johnson's great seneca knight has been stepping up from the three-point line and, and so yeah those are the two guys seneca knight and i think um, yeah. Caleb Lohner are going to have a huge factor in what this team can do because one of their versatility, their athleticism, but also they need to step it up offensively. Yeah. Foose and Atiki are going to continue to be projects, um, but Lohner is expected. Lohner and Knight are especially Knight. He came in as a hired gun, right? He's yeah, the here. dude who averaged 17 points a game last yeah. year. Yeah, he he's expected to come in and contribute. I know he's been playing off the bench, which he's been a great addition off the bench. I mean, just great. But yeah, it's time for him to to score ten points a game. Honestly, I'm it, it's it's what's needed, um, especially when guys like Gideon George are out. Um, so uh, look, I, I'm not down on the basketball team at all. I was tweeting out even the night of the UV. Everyone knows I'm kind of a sky is falling type guy, but like. I was just like, look, man, this was a perfect storm. It's not anything to hang your head about. It's early in the season, and even more than in football, in basketball, what happens at the beginning of the season is way less important than what happens at the end of the season. And honestly, the committee cares more about who you schedule than who you beat. I mean, like, it's just it's, Isn't that it's crazy? the truth. It's, it's, it's the so truth. hard to shift from football to basketball yeah. and how the committee's, like – 
yeah. approach things. They're just such completely different. So animals. different. And, and basketball, they have more data to work with, right? There's 30 games instead of 12 or 13. And, and, and they're just way more. They stick to the metrics way more. It's way easier to predict within a few you know points of margin of error. Way easier to predict. And so it's just end of the season. This Mark Pope is great at getting teams ready at the end of the season. They got a bum draw against UCLA last year, but but this team is going to be ready. You just hope that they can get above an eight seed, right? Because eight nine is the worst. I'd rather have a 10, 11, 12 I, I, seed. I, than yeah, I, give me a give me a seven seven seed, and I, I like the seven yeah. seed draw. Give me six seven or 10 11. That that you know what I mean? Like if, if at the end of the year, if you're getting projected eight nine everywhere then just lose a couple games like okay <laughs> <laughs> obviously i'm obviously i'm joking um no basketball is going to be fine um i think i've said you know last year they struggled creating and at times they have this year but they're much 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 better the addition of Tijon lucas was huge and ab has stepped up his creating game rather than just being a pick well uh, and i think seneca knight's gonna get a little injection uh i think he will lineup i think that's gonna jump start him a little bit i think yeah it's it's again the whole complexion of the team changed not with the loss but with the loss of baxter so these next few games are going to be really really interesting yeah because they're not like small games you got utah state and creighton coming up like these aren't you know you're you know, UVU's per se, hate to say that after you just lost, but like these nope. next couple games without Baxter, how do they change offensively and defensively? We're, yep. we're talking a lot about offense, but Baxter was a huge part of the defense too because he was a, a good shot blocker, long, lanky, could rotate out on the perimeter because he was, you know, agile. Yep. You kind of lose that now. So yeah. these next two games are going to be very indicative of, I think, moving forward because these are the, the two hardest games left on their preseason schedule before they start league at the turn of the year. Right. Okay. Before we move to football, where do you, I mean, I think the AP poll comes out tomorrow. Where, where do you, where do you see BYU dropping um, in the AP poll? Admittedly, I haven't really followed the other teams too much. I Me know either. Gonzaga's lost a couple, so that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, Actually, I'm weird. almost more curious to see where Gonzaga falls to now that <laughs> yeah. they're seven and two. Yeah, um, I, I think BYU probably falls in the 20 range. You know, I think again, basketball losing one, it isn't going to drop you yeah. uh, really far, especially when you're number 12. I don't think they drop out because then you follow it up with, like you said, maybe a quad will win. So I yeah. think they're going to be in that 25 to 20 range. I don't know what everybody else did, but I don't see any reason for them to drop out. I think they'll stay. Yeah. I, I'm not following every single basketball program, you know, that's ranked and close to being ranked, but they got a gigantic leap when they beat Oregon going up from like whatever it was like 18 to 12 or something or like 20 to 12. No, they were uh, unranked and then it oh, went right. up to 18. Right. But then, Oregon. And then they, and then they went up to 12 the week after that. And yeah, 20 ish, 20, 23, which is fine. There's a lot of time left. Um, and just being ranked at all just kind of puts you in, in, in the spotlight and in just in rankings in basketball, just don't matter that much. It, it's, it's, it's everything in football. Cause it's all you got, right? There's a, quote unquote playoff of four and everyone else is just kind of fighting for rankings. Um, but in basketball, it, it doesn't matter nearly as much. You know, if you're, you know, Ken Palm 28 and just outside the AP rankings, you know, you're going to get a pretty decent seat in, 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 in the tournament. Whereas, you know, if you're not ranked in football, nobody cares. <laughs> you know what I mean? So speak, yeah. speaking of football, so this is, I know we kind of buried the lead here, but um, today, <laughs> look, I was to throw it out there and then we'll talk about it, right? BYU comes drops a spot in the college football playoff after, of course, not playing during conference championship week. They pass Oregon barely, which is just mind-boggling to me that Oregon's sitting at 14, but they barely pass Oregon, but get leapt by Pitt and none other than one University of Utah. Um, and then shortly thereafter, as expected, BYU uh, accepts an invitation to the prestigious Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana, which again, as expected, but not as expected. Instead of taking on the one loss ranked at least in the AP poll, UTSA Roadrunners, they get University of Alabama, Birmingham, who I think has only had a football team for like nine years or something like that because they canceled it for a couple of years. And um, okay, so that's the stage, Aaron. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I want to kick it to you because I just 
talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I he, here's how I kind of came into the rankings. I knew if Utah beat Oregon that they would just switch spots basically. Because, I mean, you had teams that were not ranked far apart. What were they, like 15 and 10 or something like that? And you just knew they were going to do some kind of switch. So that didn't surprise me too much. I, it is shocking to me that Utah, with three losses, leaps over BYU. This, to me, just shows how much they value conference championship games. Um, and Utah dominated Oregon again. Well, to be clear, to know. be clear, last week Utah was 17. Okay, yes, Utah, Utah went up six spots, which is crazy. To me, the bigger issue is Pitt. I mean, Pitt didn't beat anybody. They have one ranked win on the year, and that was in the conference championship game. Yeah. Um, their out-of-conference schedule was not good. Uh, so I guess to me it doesn't really matter, though, because the last three weeks when BYU's hopes were hanging by a thread, right, and you yeah. needed all of these dominoes to happen, none Nothing of them yeah. happened. Nothing like, happened. none of them. Like not even one of three a week. It was nope zero for three. There was zero one like a couple of weeks ago. I feel like Texas A and M lost. I think that was like in week seven or yeah. something like that. It's like literally the last three weeks. BYU needed at least Michigan State to lose, or at least Utah to lose, or at yeah. least you know like yeah. one of these teams needed to lose, yeah. and they never did. Well, Oklahoma so, lost. No, that's not true. Oklahoma okay, had okay, to Oklahoma. lose. That was the one. And Wake so, Forest lost. Yeah, but that didn't matter. To me, it's just like the, the cards kept the last three weeks stacking against BYU and just yeah, like, okay, sure. it's going to be a long shot. And I mean, even if Utah doesn't leap them and Pitt doesn't leap them, whatever, I think it was a long shot. So I'm like not shocked. I think it's not so much I'm not mad at the system because it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just mad at Boise State. <laughs> Yeah, now that Boise State loss um, hurts a lot. Uh, a couple of thoughts. I got a lot of thoughts, so I might kick it back to you and just to break it up. I'll probably just interrupt you. Good, please do. Uh, so first of all, um, Pitt and my frustration isn't that BYU didn't get in the New Year's Six. Honestly, like I knew that wasn't going to happen. Like as soon yeah, as Michigan yeah. State beat Penn State and Baylor beat Oklahoma State. That, yeah. I was like, oh, that was it. Okay. Which one do you think was more the nail in BYU's coffin? Baylor beating Oklahoma State or Penn State losing or Michigan State beating Penn State? Michigan State, because I, I still think it was a long shot. Just BYU jumping Baylor who beat them. I still thought yeah. it was a long yeah. shot. So I think I always said, like, if if it's going to happen, Baylor's got to get blown out. And it was like right. literally as far from a blowout as you could possibly <laughs> yeah. get. I still Fourth. don't know why that running back didn't just lower his shoulder. And Neither did I. He died. Zone, okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. okay. I, I want to say that I agree that I think the Michigan State beating Penn State the last game of the that year was the, nail. was the nail in the coffin that yeah. at that point yeah. it didn't matter what else yeah. happened. No, and I was tweeting after that about how frustrated I was about a lot of different other things and how I was scared about Utah jumping BYU and stuff. And everyone was like, it doesn't matter because the Pac-12 gets an automatic bid. And I'm like, I know, guys, I'm not hoping for a New Year's Six. My my frustrations aren't New Year's Six. My frustrations are now that Michigan State has lost. All I care about is the final rankings at the end of the season because that's after what matters. After bowl games, right? That's after bowl games. Okay, okay. But, 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 but rankings now set up for the next rankings after sure. the bowl games. And so anyway, the point is, that's what I care about. I care about BYU's ranking. I know they weren't going to get into the New Year's Six because I know they weren't going to jump over Michigan State. Um, so, but it's, it, it's frustrating that Pitt jumps BYU because it's like, why did you have to do that? Other than to just justify the system. The system says conference championships are amazing. And therefore, this team that played UMass, New Hampshire, Tennessee, Western Michigan, and Western Michigan. It, who they lost to and you know like had no ranked wins until their conference championship game jumps BYU to me it's obviously just like oh we really just want to avoid the optics getting two G5 teams if you just clump BYU into that getting two into the New Year's Six because well of it's not even that because you didn't need Utah and, Penn, and and Pitt to jump BYU to get into the New Year's Six they were both yeah. going to go into the New Year's Six Anyway, right. They could be ranked number 25 and yeah. they were going. Yeah. And so to me, it just says, oh, we really want to avoid the optics of BYU being above two conference champions right. and not getting one of into whom the they beat. one of whom they beat. Right. OK, so that's my frustration is BYU really should be ranked 11 at least right now. And I mean, honestly, at least 12. Well, yeah, I mean, at the least fact over that they Utah. dropped down one right. to make room for a six spot jump for Utah, which I think is. Pro Pitt, I think, is 
their ranking. I don't at know what they, bothers me more, Pitt's ranking above them or the fact that Utah jumped six spots. Look, at least Pitt has the same number of losses and didn't lose to BYU, right? Fair. So right. I can like right. sort of live with it, even though I think all the metrics favor BYU over Pitt. At least I can live with it. I still think it's just to justify the system, but I can live with that. I cannot live with the Utah leap for a couple of things. First of all, number one, I want to go through some of these metrics. And I, I posted this on Twitter because the metrics are just insane. If you go to Sagarin, I'm going to Sagarin just because it's, you know, more of a computer-based um, system and it goes farther than just out 25. And because you're going to see why we need more than 25 rankings here for these stats. Right. So you look at these, the resumes of BYU and Utah. Okay. So let's, let's start out with their best wins. What is BYU's best win? Utah. Probably Utah. Yeah. Right. Utah is BYU's best win. And according to the college football playoff committee, Utah is number 11. And according to Sagarin, Utah is Eight. Wow, that's a great win, BYU. Good job. What's Utah's best win? Oregon. Oregon is ranked 19 by Sagarin and 14 by college football. So BYU has the better best win. Okay. Let's now go to bad losses. BYU's one singular bad loss is to Boise State. Sagarin rated number 29. Who are Utah's bad losses? Do you ask? Well, I shall answer thee. Bad losses against San Diego State 54 in Sagarin and Oregon State 39, still 10 points below BYU's bad loss of Boise State. So BYU's bad loss is also better than Utah's bad loss. So let's go to one more metric, Aaron, shall we? Let's do BYU's it. good loss was to Baylor, Sagarin number 14, and college football playoff, what, number eight or something like that? Um, And Utah's seven. good seven. Who was Utah's best loss? It is none other than one Brigham Young University, who is College football playoff number 13 and Sagarin number 30, believe it or not. So BYU also has the best good loss. So now we have BYU has the better bad loss, the better good win, and the better good loss. Like literally every metric favors BYU. Not to mention record. Not to mention they have fewer losses and freaking won the head to head. I mean, Andy, like, head to heads don't matter. <laughs> Nothing matters, Aaron. Nothing matters. There's literally no reason to have Utah above BYU simply because they beat Oregon again. We already knew Utah was better than Oregon. Doing it twice doesn't suddenly make them six BYU spots better. BYU has fewer Pac-12 losses than Utah does. And BYU went undefeated, including undefeated in Utah's division. I mean, there's, I mean, there's the, the metrics go on and on and on. The only reason Utah's strength of schedule is significantly better by most of the computers is because they got to play Oregon twice. If BYU got to play and beat Utah twice in a row, then they too would probably a top, be a top 30 strength of schedule. It's insane. It's insane. It's all just to, to justify the system. They have to put them above BYU, not because they were bumping BYU out, Utah and Pitt did not do that. It just justifies the system. Says, all right, it looks bad if BYU's ranked above these teams and and doesn't get a New Year's Six. So if we just slide them in, then it looks better. And uh, I, and I got to say one more thing, one more thing here, right? I doubt it. <laughs> right. So the, the 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 committee says, oh, but 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 everyone must understand the conference championship games are so very important. We must give teams so much credit for getting that one more quote data point and kind of putting their team on the line one more time in the season. Well, let me talk about that. Okay, if being a conference champion is so good that you get over not only head to head but also better record, right? Fewer losses. If you're able to get over both those criteria by getting a championship game, riddle me this, Aaron. How many conference championship games did Notre Dame win this year? Zero, correct? Uh, my, my calculations say zero. By calculations, I say zero. Also, how many ranked wins did Notre Dame get this year? Also zero. Okay, but Notre Dame, number five over a team that got a conference championship and has one more loss than them. That would be Baylor. So if it's enough to overcome one loss, why, answer me, is Notre Dame above Baylor? Name. I know not. And Notre Dame beat... Oklahoma, who's ranked, beat BYU, who's ranked, and beat Oklahoma State, who's ranked. Yeah, I get it. They lost to TCU. I get it. Notre Dame has no bad losses, but they also have no good wins. 
They also have no conference championship, and yet they sit at five over several conference champions. Okay, now let's talk about some more. Let's talk about Michigan State, who has two losses. If Utah and Pitt, who have two and three losses, are good enough to jump BYU, who has two losses, who did not play in a conference championship game, why did they not jump over Michigan State? Why? Tell me why. Michigan State didn't play in a conference championship game. Why didn't they fall behind a two-loss Pitt and a three-loss Utah if it's that important? So once again, conference championship, not that important. And here's the worst of them all the worst of them all that will get no talk because it's not a P5. San Diego State gets murdered, absolutely drug up and down the field by none other than the Utah State Aggies. And they are ranked, and Utah State is not. (laughs) With no fewer losses, right? San Diego State has two losses. Oh, Utah State has three. The exact same situation as BYU and Utah was in. And yet San Diego State is ranked and Utah State is not. And look, call me conspiracy theorist, but I cannot help but think that it's just because they need San Diego State to be ranked. Why? To prop up Utah. Because Utah lost to San Diego State. And if they lose to an unranked team, that really makes it hard to put them above BYU, doesn't it? Right? And also, if you rank Utah State and San Diego State, who are you going to have to kick out, Aaron? Texas A&M. And who do you and need? Who to has pr- four losses? Who has way. four losses? But, but in the almighty, but they beat Alabama. And right. so the if you want to keep Alabama good. number one, you can't have an unranked team beat Alabama. So you can't have Utah State coming in over Texas A&M. Look, look, I know it sounds conspiracy theory, but there's a lot of justification going on in these college football rankings. You can't look at me and say that that a conference championship is worth not only a loss, but also a head-to-head when it didn't happen to Notre Dame, it didn't happen to Michigan State, and it didn't happen to San Diego State, and it didn't happen to Texas A&M, right? Utah State got no credit for their championship game. So that's my point. Where it helps the committee justify what they already want, they don't care about a conference championship game, but when it helps the committee justify what they already want, suddenly it's the most important thing in the world. It's baloney, right? Look, and I don't don't think BYU earned – the New Year's Six. Two losses by a team that doesn't play in a conference championship game. I get that. Yeah. So I'm not mad about that. I'm mad about Utah being above BYU. That is what I'm mad about. Every metric available to any logical human being says they should be above them. Oh, and the committee says, oh, but they switched their quarterback and they're so good since they switched their quarterback. This is why we all now will become enormous Ohio State fans. Oh, like, oh. And hope that Ohio State hangs a 50 spot on you. Honestly, I Man, hope they, they win 75 to nothing because it's so ridiculous. Here's the thing. Like, since when do you just get to change your quarterback and pretend like two losses didn't happen? You yeah, I mean? like, all those first four games didn't matter. It's like, it just doesn't even count. And also, let's not forget... Cam Rising lost to Oregon State, right? It's not like he came in and was like Joe Montana or something. They lost yeah. to Oregon State. You know, good job. Improved, you beat, you... but I mean, yeah, you still lost. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, like I, 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 I don't have any any uh, rebuttals to anything that you just said, which, by the way, was not one more thing. <laughs> well, it was kind of one point. My point was I'm, I'm showing the inconsistencies with this yeah. conference championship metric, so which the me, college football playoff pretends is what they care about. So let me ask you this, right? The, the college football playoff, you know, death to the BCS, right? So then the playoff comes in. <laughs> I know we all hate the BCS. You, you say, hey, we hate computers. We, we yeah. need some human input. Now, human input over the what, whatever it's been now, eight years or whatever, um, has shown massive flaws. Now yeah. we have data. So what and how... Do we say, hey, we need to take all of the data points, right, that aren't human made, but hey, yeah. computers spit out, you know, gather all the numbers, do their calculations and spit out BYU, Sagar, and this strength of record, strength of schedule. Like, is, do you feel that it should go back to a computer based ranking system? I, or should there be a human element at all? I mean, the co- the polls are going to be there, right? The coaches poll, the AP poll are going to be there. But from a like, okay, who's going to get into the playoff? Whether it's four teams, whether it's 40, I don't care. Should those teams or New Year's Six or whatever they're going to end up calling it, should it be strictly data-driven, a la BCS, here's the yeah. BCS rankings based on computers, or should there be some form of human element? I will answer after yeah. you. Okay, so for what it's worth, there's people out there who have like simulated the BCS formulas this year, and it's actually pretty close to the college football with the, with the playoff committee came, including Utah jumping BYU. So I don't think BCS is perfect. And don't forget BCS was not pure computers. They like, they worked in the polls as like, you know, some sort of weird coefficient 
what whatever percentage of of their kind of yeah, outcome yeah, yeah. took into account the polls. So honestly, what I think the college football playoff needs is more objective criteria. It, 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 right. They, not, yeah. Yeah. Not so cloudy on this. Right. They that. say they care about A, B, C, D, and E, but they only care about those things when it helps the blue bloods. It's there's right. it's so subjective, even though they pretend like it's objective, and that's why it's so important to to expand the playoff. Right. Because if you expand it, you can make more objective criteria as to who gets in and who doesn't. So uh, along those lines, I, I I agree with it. One, they need objective criteria here. You need X, Y, Z, ABC right. or right. not. Right? right. But then the other thing I think that needs to happen is if, if you're going to have a committee or if you're going to have any form of human voting mm-hmm. outside of the coaches and a people, right? Those yeah. are, those are whatever. Yeah. You need to have people in that room that have absolutely zero no ties ties yep. to anything yeah, college you have, football you can't have ad's and and, and conference exactly. commissioners in there that's bs i don't know how anybody can objectively sit there and say oh yeah an athletic director from a big five or a p5 conference is in here selecting who's going to make the most money in in these games yeah like how can you sit there and say that out well, like that sounds like that's really fair well to be fair to be fair the the march madness committee is the same, right? It's mostly a bunch of eighties. Okay, but March Madness and... has sixty-eight exactly. teams, and not right? only that, That's but they're like committed. Third of college basketball teams get into no, sorry, twenty percent of college basketball teams get into March Madness, and they're right. going to keep expanding. It, right? right? It, it, yeah, and, and also um, they they have a much larger committee with much more data, and not only that, but they yeah. make the team affiliate leave right when tom homo was on the yeah, committee right. so when they were discussing byu he would leave the room yes so yeah. you need so i mean you can't have former players because then they're going to be biased right. yeah. you can't have i mean obviously everybody's going to graduate from some school so you're going to have like you know like condoleezza rice right but like the point <laughs> sure. is she doesn't have a college football tie i don't know she was a stanford girl but yeah Right. But the point is like you need to get people that have absolutely no affiliation with athletics yeah from but then a, like, it's hard to find people. I, with, I'm an athletic director for Baylor. I'm an athletic director for Western. Currently, Michigan. yeah, it's hard to find people with know-how that don't have some sort of affiliation. You know, and, you can't just get a whole bunch of Ken Palms and Sagarins. I think data is different now than it was in the BCS. Yeah, era, I agree. Right? I think if you, as long as, and there's just you know more and more people come out with different data yeah, points, new different formulas, metrics. I mean, yeah. Ken Palm's only like 10 years old, not even yeah. 10 years old, right? Yeah. And look what it's doing for basketball. Yeah. And college football is going to continue to get that. And I think expanding the playoff in general is going to help. But I think in general, when you put subjective opinions in there that are determining yeah. fates yeah. of universities by millions of dollars, I mean, yeah. like the Independence Bowl versus the Peach Bowl is millions of dollars, right? Yep. For a, a university, yep. you know, and then, you know, poor Cincinnati, like draws freaking Alabama in the first game. But I mean, every, hey, every I don't know. I, I don't, I don't hate every... that draw, but yeah, yeah. No, but like, so I, I hear my you. point is, I think, I think you need to bring in more data. You need to take out subjectivity, both from giving all the power to these X amount of people to say, here's the rankings. You need to say, no, the, the computers, whatever, what, again, I'm not sitting here saying, yeah. here's what exactly, yeah. but the computers say, here's the 12 teams. And then the, the people over here, maybe like, maybe, maybe it's something like this. Again, I don't, this is me thinking out loud. The committee of non-tied individuals put their votes in basically call it call like an AP poll, right? All the AP voters vote and then it's an accumulative, right? An aggregate mm-hmm. score gets you yeah. this. So then the aggregate score of the rankings of the committee goes into the computer and then the computer spits it out kind of thing. I don't yeah. know that again, not. Fully yeah, thought through, <laughs> no, you're, you're you, trying to make it more objective and less kind yeah, of like group thinking. But to yeah. me, the biggest thing is when you have ADs, when you have people that have affiliations with universities, even if they're not P5s, right? I think Boise yeah. State or I think Craig Thompson's in there. So I don't know. The point is <laughs> you Craig can't Thompson put isn't people even that anymore. stand something to gain or lose. Yeah, in these I, committees. I don't know how anybody thought that was a good idea. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I would make the committee a little bigger to get more voices and less chance for groupthink. I, I think, um, I think maybe, I think there's a little bit of value in not having, we, I know they don't start till week seven or whatever, but Hey, maybe not don't have weekly polls. Just do it at the end. Have one college football playoff committee poll. So you don't have to like justify last week's vote every week. You know what I mean? What would happen? I mean, just, just how different would it have been if Michigan state just had to go up against BYU in, in week 15? You know, just right now, last night, it was the first time you really had to decide who gets in Michigan State or BYU. I think it's different than if Michigan State kind of rides the wave of the Michigan win and then just kind of stays up there. 
I don't think that's the main problem, but it's just one sure, of many sure. problems. I understand. I, I do like how they don't come out until we. I like that. Too. It's much better than the AP poll. preseason. AP poll comes out six weeks before yeah. the season. Yeah, no. And then everybody's yeah, just I, justifying the week yeah, before. I, I, but I agree. I, I see, I think I see where you're going with that. I think but you I, just because most you've always felt this way about all polls is they're always justifying the vote. Yeah, I'm, I've always felt that way. You just justifying last week's instead of actually just analyzing everything every week. Uh, but I do think that more objective criteria is important, which is why I think conference championships should be actually almost decisive. Right. In March Madness, you win your conference, you go to the tournament, period. End of story. Objective. You might be a 15 seed, but you got a chance. You know what I mean? Um, which is why expanding the playoff is the only answer, right? If you, if every, if every P five conference champion and the highest rated G five conference champion and a handful of at larges get into a playoff, are, are you going to argue about who gets in at 12, you know, 11 and 12? Of course you are, but you can tell every single one of those teams, Hey, if you would have gone and won your championship, your conference championship, you would have been in stop complaining that, you know, now BYU wouldn't have that wouldn't have helped BYU because they're not in the conference, but uh, that, that is actually a very good segue segue into what I want to talk about very last, because I think we're going to differ on this a little bit. Um, a lot of people are tweeting, right? I, I, BYU can't get into the big 12 fast enough, right? When, as soon as BYU is in the big 12, you know, so many of these problems are going to go away because you have a chance at the conference championship, yada, yada, yada. Do you agree? Yeah. I- okay. I, I, don't. I don't I don't know if there's an argument against it. There is an argument against it. Because well, of course you have an argument against it. <laughs> look, I've said from the beginning and I'm sticking to these guns that the Big 12 is not going to be considered a big boy P5 conference. The Pac 12 um, the Pac 12 was barely considered a Big 12 conference, a, a, a P5 conference this year. And look, the most mileage Baylor and Oklahoma State got was out of their wins over Oklahoma, right? That's what propelled both those teams into really into discussion. Um, about being in the real top six, seven, eight teams in the country without wins like that, you're not going to have, you're not going to have suddenly big 12 being like, Ooh, if Oklahoma state beats, you know, beats Baylor, they could be in the playoff. That's not going to be a discussion. Look, 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 we have it already right now. People are already aren't looking at big 12, the same Baylor couldn't get above Notre Dame who didn't even play in a conference champion. Baylor also didn't start the season top 10 like Notre Dame. Like well, you said, you're just the vacations of votes. But that's no, my point. Who listen, starts? The, who starts? When BYU gets into the Big 12 in two years, guess who's in the playoff right now? A new Big 12 member in Cincinnati. Right now, three After of the new straight Big 12 undefeated members, regular seasons. three of the new Big 12 members are in the top 25 right now in Houston, mm-hmm. BYU, and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Texas is four and eight. Texas is not good. Texas is one of the most overrated programs since Mac Brown left. Obviously. I don't understand it. Okay. Obviously. BYU is better than Texas in the program right now. I don't even know if that's debatable. Okay. Of course. So that's an upgrade. Oklahoma, especially now that Lincoln Riley's gone because he was scared of the SEC. I don't think that's that big of a loss. I think the Big 12 net net is gaining four cumulative better programs than the two they are losing. Only from a dollar's perspective not are over, those teams better from a marketing standpoint, not from a competitive standpoint. Not well, even if that's true, not reputation wise, and that's all that matters, right? When you but talk I think about, I, I see, I disagree with that too, though. I mean, reputation, sure, because of you know Oklahoma, I think is a top five winning as program. Texas yeah. probably top fifteen, but Texas sucks. Oklahoma is who knows how long it's going to take them to adjust the Venables. But the point is, when you see it, Cincinnati's on their rise, BYU's on their rise, Houston is, you know. Not, I mean, they're top 25 right now, and UCF had its couple years. Cumulatively, those four programs competitively are, in my opinion, like pretty miles ahead of Texas and Oklahoma. Currently, like as a snapshot. Over the last decade. No, Texas no, no, has no. been bad Not over the last decade. Not better in Oklahoma. Okay, but you have four programs. Oklahoma has like Cincinnati, three Heisman Trophy winners like in the last five okay, years. So one program has not better – it, losing that one program and the four that are coming in is still better in my opinion. Competitively snapshot, to make it a big a big boy program or a big boy conference like your snapshot, saying. you're right. Cincinnati's great right now, but they only got into the playoff because a bunch of teams lost. I mean, they the the, the playoff committee did not want them in. And they and only because they had two regular season undefeated seasons and almost beat Georgia in in the peach or yeah, in the Peach Bowl last year. Like it takes two to three years for Cincinnati to do what it takes Oklahoma to do in three games, right? Oklahoma almost lost to Kansas and they're still ranked 
above many, many good teams in the college football poll playoff poll right now. My, I just fear the first couple of years probably will be great. If Cincinnati and Houston and BYU continue their current success next year and enter like riding a really big high and have a lot of returning players, there's a chance to get some momentum. But, you know, Cincinnati is going to lose their, in my opinion, Heisman candidate quarterback. Um, Houston's kind of up and down. They've never really been consistently top 15. Um, and BYU is going to be really good next year because they got a return, a lot of returning guys. The year after that's going to be questionable. I, it could be, they could be awesome. I don't know. But, you know, Jaron Hall leaves. Um, right now, as a snapshot, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati are probably better than Oklahoma, but year over year, Oklahoma gets the votes and then you beat Oklahoma in game eight or whatever. And suddenly you're like a top five team. You know, there's just not going to be a team like that. You're next year in two years when BYU beats, you know, whatever Cincinnati, they're not going to suddenly get vaulted into a top 10 position. Like that's what beating Oklahoma does. That's not what beating Cincinnati does. That's not what beating Houston does. That's not what beating even Baylor, or Oklahoma State does beating blue chip teams catapults you. See Oregon, Ohio State, right? Or Utah over Oregon. Oregon's not even good. And it catapulted Utah into top 11. That's what gets you style points. When Cincinnati loses, they don't catapult people up, they just fall down. When BYU loses, they don't catapult people up, they just fall down. When Oklahoma loses, they catapult people up. And and the the Big Twelve, you're you're, you're muted, Aaron. But Snapshot, the big shot that's true. But again, I think when you're you're talking about projections for the future, yeah. And right now, all of the programs coming in are projecting up, and to one of the programs, actually, I would argue both of the programs leaving are projecting down. Yes, I, so I agree. I don't know how that. you can sit here and say that when you have those kind of projections and everything you're talking about is conjecture of projections. Everything's pointing to it's going to be a big boy league because it's going to be. It's going to be a big boy basketball league. I just, again, I just don't see any stepping stones in that in that I league to push wait teams up. For like 2025, when there's four top 25 Big 12 teams and Texas and Oklahoma are like three and nine in the SEC, and you're sitting here, oh, I'm sticking to my guns. This is not a very good <laughs> conference. BYU seven and five in the Big Twelve, not very good or whatever. No, look, whatever look, crap man, you're gonna roll out then. I've been saying this since the beginning. It's not because I think Oklahoma is amazing, and it's not obviously Texas isn't amazing at all. But heck, even when Texas had like two or three losses at the beginning of the year, every team that beat them like shot up in the polls. That's just the way this the college foot that college football works. It's gonna be thirty years before Cincinnati and BYU could ever get that kind of status if they ever do. Right. It takes it'll take 30 years. Well, of and it took Texas and Oklahoma 30 years of dominating football. That's too. my point. That's my point. They have 30, 40 years of being Oklahoma and Texas. Houston's just not going to be that. UCF isn't going to be that. Texas oh, Tech yeah. isn't going to be that. Baylor, maybe like if Baylor's really good again next year, I could see them, you know, making something. Maybe Oklahoma State. I don't know. But that's just not where the conference is at right now. So I just don't see 2023 or 2024. Let me ask you this. And suddenly, oh, gosh, now BYU gets to play, you know, TCU in the conference championship game. Now they're probably going to jump over all these teams. You know, let me ask you this. This year. okay, we're going to take this year. Currently, when you look at the Big 12. And then you look at the Pac-12, which is a better conference. Oh, this year snapshot. Of course, Big 12. Okay, so then let's let's act like beginning of the year. Who would you have said? Like before any games have been played, yes, before yes, Washington zero, zero, lost to Montana pre- in week one. Yeah. Um, I probably would have said. I would have said it been close, but probably Big Twelve. But because of Texas and Oklahoma, who do you think is the better seller dweller of the conferences? I think the bottom of both teams are pretty similar. The bottom and middle. I, I, I would say the bottom of the Pac-12 is pretty bad. Arizona sucks. <laughs> Arizona I don't think. Sucks. I don't think the bottom Kansas dwellers. Sucks. Look, you got okay, Arizona Kansas and Pac-12. And you got bad. Kansas. Okay. okay, those two are both really, <laughs> They're really, both terrible. really bad. Hey, yeah. but Kansas almost beat your almighty Oklahoma. So I know they I know. should have beat. By and way, it didn't Kansas hurt Oklahoma, Kansas. did it? 
No, no it but it did though. I, uh, I okay, disagree. it did a little bit. It totally did. I think that's when the voters said, "Whoa, I Oklahoma's agree. Oklahoma's not that great," and yeah. that was the downslide of Oklahoma saying they're not a top five team. No, I, I would just argue that the right now, and not because of Texas and Oklahoma, that if you look at the three other P five conferences of the ACC, Big Twelve, Pac twelve. The Big 12 is the best conference of them. This year, I don't even think that's a debate. That's true this year. Next year, year, and then even when BYU comes in and Texas leaves, I still don't think that's much of a debate. Who knows how Clemson bounces back? Clemson will. You know, Dabble Sweeney's good. But also, outside of Clemson is, like, and we just had a whole argument about Pitt, right? And Wake Forest. We all knew Wake Forest wasn't a top 10 team. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just don't know how you can continue to bash on the new Big 12 because I think you put so much weight on an overrated Texas team. The only reason Texas is even like in this is because of their fan base and the money, not well, because of competition. If you go from a competitive standpoint, Texas hasn't been competitive since Vince Young. That's just a fact. No, I agree. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So okay, losing cool. them doesn't do any, it doesn't hurt the big 12 from a dollars. If you're talking dollars, like marketing revenue, Absolutely, it hurts. If you're right. talking from competitive advantage to get a team to the college football playoff or just strength of schedule, whatever, absolutely not. Get them out. I don't care. I think BYU, U, or UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati are all competitively advan- advantageous for the Big 12 over Texas. Oklahoma, not so much. But I think losing or gaining four to losing one, that's a net three positive. Yeah, but, but, but listen, here's, here's my point. In week 12, Oregon was ranked number three and Utah was ranked number 23 in the college football poll, right? Three mere weeks later, Utah beats Oregon twice and goes from 21 up to 11. And Oregon only goes down to 14, right? After getting shellacked twice in like three weeks against, against Utah. And that's because of Oregon's brand. Anyone with eyeballs and Oregon's win at the horseshoe and Oregon's win at the horseshoe. Absolutely. Again, another bolster of a blue blood. And so my point is that's an anchor, right? The, the brands anchor the the rest of the conference, because when the brands do bad, I think optically it does. I think optically it does. I don't think it. I'm talking competitively though. No, look in reality. It does. Right. Because look what Utah did in three weeks. They jumped 10 spots and Oregon. I mean, they fell from three to 14, but after getting shellacked twice, do you think Baylor could lose 38 to seven and 38 to 10 to Oklahoma state and remain in the top 15? Of course not. Because I but see, I think Oklahoma State in that theoretical, I think Oklahoma State is a more established football brand than Utah, but not more established than Oregon. That's my point. The but point I'm is, talking, okay, there's no, but, there's no anchor, right? If if Baylor shellacks Texas Tech twice, no one cares. But if you shellack Oklahoma, or if you shellack even Texas at the beginning of the year when everyone thought they were great, it it shoots you up so much. You if if Baylor had beaten Oklahoma State. You know, by oh, let's other way around. Let's say Oklahoma State would have shellacked Baylor by 30 twice this year. I'm not sure it would have given them quite the meteoric rise that Utah got out of beating Oregon twice or the Texas A&M got out of that. I don't but see. I guess I don't think it's strictly because of the brand. I think it's strictly because everybody was high on Oregon because they beat Ohio State in Ohio. Uh, well, if, if they yeah, hadn't beaten the Ohio principle. State and they beat, say, I don't know, who's another like relatively middle tier right you're virginia or well you know or you know whatever tech whatever they not ohio state who is a top five program every year and i don't think anybody debates that right if they hadn't or even if they had lost i don't think it it carries the same way but everybody put in in too much yeah it was on the road yeah too much weight into it and so they just said hey if you can win in the horseshoe you can beat anybody and so they were justifying it and so i think it's not because of the oregon brand if if that was UCLA and they went in and did that and did everything else. Everything else is similar on the, from the resume. They played the same teams. Right. UCLA goes into Ohio state, beats them and then goes up to that meteor meteoric rise, which by the way, UCLA early in the year, they did, they beat LSU those. and then they shot up. Right. Right. But it's so, and it's because well, of where they beat them and but, who they beat. It's not because of Oregon, but, but, but that's all my, it's, it's both. It's both Oregon got, they shot up in the rankings because they beat Ohio state, right? UCLA shot up in the rankings because they beat LSU. Utah shot them up in the rankings because they beat Oregon. Baylor 
And Oklahoma but State UCLA both beat LSU rankings. in LA. So that's I, a huge difference. Sure, I get it, but it still helped UCLA a lot. No one is going to beat BYU in week five and shoot up to the top six of the rankings, even if BYU is 6-0. and like It's not going to happen. It's, and so I, I just fear that the ceiling starts out way lower for the Big 12 because they don't have a USC or an Oregon. I know USC is down right now, but, you know, Lincoln Riley, blah, blah, blah. Like, you don't have that anchor that shoots you up when you beat them, whether or not they're good. Yeah, but and, I think there's more. I, I I understand what you're saying. You're you're losing the flagship programs, but I still think there's just more opportunities for you to shoot up with Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU. will have a good year there. Um, look, we already know this year with that Cincinnati the, and stuff. So. We already know that the the committee right now will take a a one loss Notre Dame team with no wins over a currently ranked Anybody. team over a two loss Big Twelve champion with three with wins against three ranked teams. We already know that. That's yeah. with Oklahoma and Texas in the conference. Yeah. And I'm not sure how suddenly like adding BYU and Cincinnati, suddenly someone's going to go, Oh, now we're going to take Baylor over Notre Dame. Now we're going to take Baylor over Ohio state. You know, if it's, if it's an at large or something like that, uh, we already know that we, we see it right now. Notre Dame is way overranked because of their name. Right. So, all right. We spent way too much time on this, but I, I just, I hope I'm wrong, right? I hope Cincinnati goes undefeated again next year and BYU wins another 11 games next year and they go in and in the first year of the Big 12, there are five teams ranked in the top 20. I hope that's true. But and ev- but even if it is, my fear is the second any one of those teams lose, what happens? They dissolve and they go into oblivion. You don't, they don't just, they just don't have the margin of victory or margin of error that you have when you're playing teams like, you know, Oregon or Ohio State or Oklahoma. So whatever, negative Nancy, we're going to end on that. We did a lot of positive. So everyone be quiet about all my negativity. I'm just, I, I, I'm upset because I care and I don't want Utah to end the season over BYU. So nothing is more important than BYU beating UAB and Utah losing by 85 to Ohio State. Can we all agree on that? Can we just facts straight yeah. facts? Can we all disagree on that? Thanks everyone for joining us. We got to go. It has been, this is a long podcast, a lot to talk about. Thanks for joining us. We are the sports bros. I'm Andy. That's Aaron. We are on Twitter at sports bros. Our online home is anchor.fm slash sports bros. You can of course download this on Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Aaron, um, end of this long episode. Any last words? Part out to Gavin Baxter. Sorry, bro. Oh, getting back to we love you, man. Go Cougs.